0: Welcome to the Teamwork Arts Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Sarthak. The idea, of course, uh, is to go behind the scenes and uh, uh, try and figure out the thoughts behind the actions of the people who make the art. And (laughs) from the art of diplomacy to the art of... uh, um, I guess it it is interrelated, isn't it? Uh, The the manipulation of words, would that be... Would that be a good way to put it, Mr. Yes, Swain? I think
1: so. I think, you know, many people ask this question that how come so many Indian diplomats have uh, become novelists? Sure. And the answer I always give is that, you know, the one thing we are trained in is to use words very carefully. Because, you know, one wrong nuance can send bilateral relationship, uh, you know, tumbling, uh, you know, with the wrong choice of word. So I think is the is the... Uh, felicity with words, uh, you know, with which we are trained that makes it easier if you want to transition from writing your dull rap official reports to fiction or something
0: else. <laughs> uh, that's of course, uh, Mr. Vikas Swaroop, uh, in case you haven't, uh, uh, in case you haven't um, uh, realized it as of now. Uh, so many hats that sometimes the head seems a little heavy, doesn't it, Mr. Swaroop? <laughs> no, it's just two hats. I call myself a <laughs> diplomat who writes.
1: So I don't call myself a writer who's masquerading as a diplomat. For me... My day job comes first. As you know, I'm a member of the Indian Foreign Service, have been since 1986. I started my novelist career very late in life, uh, you know, when I was more than 40 years old. Uh, when I was posted in London and since then I've written two other novels. So, you know, and my, I wrote my first novel in 2003. We are now talking in 2021. Right. So only three novels in the last, what, 18 years? Oh. Sure. <laughs> uh, tells you that, you know, what comes first for me?
0: Of course, of course. But, um, you know, considering that uh, uh, that the foreign services usually um, end up being uh, quite the fodder for fiction <laughs> and, and you writing fiction that has won uh, itself uh, I don't know how many awards. Have you, uh, do you remember the number? Have you lost count already? No, no, no.
1: I, I mean, look, uh, the, the film version of the book uh, Q&A, my first book, did yeah. very well. As you all know, it won, uh, what... Uh, uh, 8 uh, eight Oscars 8 Oscars Yeah, it won 8 Oscars It won uh, Golden Globes It won BAFTAs uh, You know, I think in total I'm, If I'm not mistaken It won 76 awards Sure Yeah, but the book also did quite well uh, You know, the book was written in 2003 It was published right. in 2005 uh, And the movie came out as you know In end 2008 But even before the movie came out, it had gone into 36 translations. That's right. Now it's in 43. So maybe you could say six came as a result of the (laughs) success of the film. But I think the book uh, stood its own ground and I think it did quite well.
0: There's always this debate of the book versus the movie uh, uh, debate. Where do you stand on the, which side of the debate? Look, I mean, as the writer, I would always be in favor of the book. uh, Because I think a book has certain
1: qualities which a film can never match. Uh, For one, a book, you know, is a twofold process. You read the words on the page that the writer has created and then you imagine those words in your head.
0: For sure.
1: Whereas a film is already fully formed. Yes. And that's the big difference. So, for instance, if you are reading Harry Potter, then isn't it in our nature that we try to imagine ourselves as Harry Potter? Of course. You know, with glasses and carrying a broom or whatever, But, but you imagine yourself as Harry Potter. But the moment the film comes out, Daniel Radcliffe is Harry Potter. Yes. He has colonized your imagination. Absolutely. You can no longer place yourself in that position because the imagination has been colonized by the film. And I think that's the big difference. Of course, a film has certain things which a book can never have. A film has music, it has locations and things like that. But then a book is so much richer because a book has interior monologue, a book has side plots, subplots, Absolutely. you know, and you can get, go into a very labyrinthine kind of a maze in a book. But a film is too much in
0: your face. It For goes sure. from A to B to C to Z. Absolutely. Talking of colonization of, uh, of imagination it's, it's, it's an absolutely wonderful phrase. and uh, in today's times it's becoming a little fraught because, uh, 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 because motives get attributed to imagination now. and uh, you know there's increasing talk of, uh, of imagination being shrunk uh, uh, into, the, into the Excel sheet of conformity, so to speak. Um, you think it's getting a little difficult to express yourself nowadays? Look,
1: I don't want to get into a political uh, debate on this one. But certainly, I think uh, what is happening is uh, two things have happened. People's attention spans have shrunk. Yes. Uh, so that's why, you know, even profound political discussions are carried out through the 240 uh, character limit of Twitter. Uh, that's one. And number two, I think people's tolerance for different things is also shrinking. Sure. And that's why people take umbrage very easily now. And that's why I think writers, artists have to look over their shoulder to see that, you know, they're not offending any sensibilities uh, and things like that. I think the the only flexibility you have at the moment is to write science fiction fantasy <laughs> where your novel is set in some Andromeda galaxy, <laughs> you know, where whatever happens there cannot be attributed to things happening on the
0: ground. So, but, you know, Mr. Surub, it's, it's very interesting right now that um, at this time, and we were talking about this earlier as well with quasar, uh, particularly, about the fact that, um, you know, the... Uh, we we are a country where the shankracharya had to go across the country uh convincing every school of thought uh that he was worthy of being the shankracharya and those debates would continue for months if not years and then and only then would a thought be accepted as acceptable um the space for debate seems to be shrinking quite uh, and i don't think it's a national uh, phenomenon or it's bounded by geography but uh Does that affect your work not only as a diplomat but as a writer as well? Art, uh, in its entirety, does also espouse liberal responsibility as well, does it not?
1: That's true. And I think since I, you know, combine two uh, hats, uh, you know, in one, I'm a diplomat, I'm a writer. As a diplomat, I have to always choose my words very, very carefully. Because as I said, you know, uh, if you speak out of turn, or you speak something, you know, whereas uh, the the meaning is felt differently, then, uh, you know, you have not been a good diplomat. So as they say, a good diplomat thinks three times before saying nothing. You know, (laughs) (laughs) a writer, on the other hand. And it's quite different. A writer has to, you know, call it as he sees it without pulling any punches, because that's what uh, makes a writer. But as I said, given the fraught times in which we live in, I think uh, it is important uh, that we try not to offend anyone's sensibilities. Yes, I think the work should speak for itself. I think what is important, what is happening now is people are viewing your work depending on who you are. And I think that is the problem. Sure. When you read a novel, it should not matter at all whether the novel has been written by a diplomat or by a pauper or by a plumber or by anyone. The novel should stand on its own. But now people are viewing a work based on, you know, who it is, who is the person who has created this
0: work. And I think the juxtaposition of that too, that is what is uh, creating problems. And what are your views about words as weapons? Because uh, they are certainly being weaponized now, aren't they? Well, words were always weapons. You know, literature always had the uh, ability to transform
1: societies. Mm -hmm. Literature always had the ability to inspire people, to mobilize people. So, and that's why, as you know, in most of the dictatorship regimes, the first thing that used to happen was books used to be burned. Writers used to be incarcerated because they could not tolerate uh, the kind of free speech, uh, you know, which uh, could give ideas to their citizens or their subjects uh, so to speak so I think uh, you know the power of words uh, is something which will always uh, be there Uh, it's just that you know now they have acquired a different power altogether because with the advent of social media you know one person taking outrage can then get multiplied very very fast. So I think that is the big change that has come that words were always weapons but now the weaponization happens at the speed of light uh, because of the social media
0: platforms which are available. Also, uh, going back to something that you said uh, earlier about the fact that uh, attention spans have shrunk uh, and, uh, you know, um, uh, the words, uh, the weaponization of words seem to also have been sharpened into 280 characters, uh, if not less. Um, What do you think, uh, do you think... uh, Literature is still uh, a, a potent vehicle to fuel thought. Uh, as potent as it was, maybe? Yes, always. I think uh,
1: it's another matter that, you know, literature itself has uh, transformed and now you have the cell phone novel as well, for yes. instance. So, yes, uh, I think uh, literature has had to adapt to the modalities of the 21st century. Increasingly, you are no longer seeing 1100 page novels because, yes. as I said, uh, attention spans have shrunk. Publishers are reluctant to publish tomes where you know which become door stoppers, so to speak. So, from that point of view, uh, increasingly you are seeing people trying to compress their thoughts in a more limited space. Sure. And that's why the advent of blogging and the popularity of blogs, for instance, and the podcast medium in which you and I are speaking, Absolutely. itself is a 21st century invention. Absolutely. Where, you know, people uh, now don't have the time to read a full novel or a full manuscript, but they can listen to something while they are traveling in the car or something Absolutely. or something like that. Absolutely. So I think that is what is happening uh, and, and I think that's uh, par for the course. Uh,
0: literature has to evolve to adapt to the new
1: reality and to adapt to the new modalities.
0: Uh, Any uh, diplomatic career as distinguished as yours, (laughs) I'm sure is just a goldmine for stories. (laughs) Is is the temptation to tell those stories high yet, uh, Mr. Swaroop? Well, I'm always asked this question that why don't you write a cross-cultural novel
1: starting in Cairo, then going on to New York, ending up in St. Petersburg, you know, that (laughs) kind of a thing. And I say, yeah, I've read those novels by John le Carre and, you know, others, for instance, but... For me, what uh, really inspires me and what really interests me the most is my own country, India. And that's why even though I have written all three of my novels while being posted abroad, but all three novels have engaged with India. You know, the uh, Q&A, which became Slumdog Millionaire, set in India, Six Suspects, set in India. And The Accidental Print is also very much an Indian novel. So I write primarily for an Indian audience because, you know, when a foreigner is picking up your novel, He's picking up a novel because he wants a window into India, correct? Uh, if perhaps. I pick up a novel by a Chinese author or by an Ecuadorian author, I want to understand what makes Ecuadorian stick or, sure. what, or what drives China. And I would be, uh, you know, giving an, uh, getting an authentic peek into that society only if the writer has written from an authentic perspective.
0: But what I really, really want to know, Mr. Saroop, is that you've your work has always been embellished with fiction. The varnish of fiction has always uh, uh, made your work shine. Uh, are we going to see an unvarnished uh, uh, collection of sentences from Mr. Swaroop coming out anytime But
1: look, uh, even my fiction is unvarnished because, you know, I have <laughs> dealt with the seedy underbelly of society also in all of the novels. It's not as if I'm only writing about the call centers, the palaces, the <laughs> Maharajas. You know, I write sure. about, uh, you know, uh, society as I see it uh, sure. uh, kind of a thing. So it's not as if that, you know, uh, you know uh, my writing is varnished or unvarnished from that point of view. I think uh, it's important that in my novels what I try for is that there should be a you know page turning consistency in terms of you know there has to be a hook which draws the reader in and you want to turn the page but after you've turned the last page and the mystery has been revealed to you you should be left with, you know, thinking about some of the issues, some of the characters yeah. uh, that you encountered in the novel. And I think that's the difference between a deeper novel and an airport thriller because in the airport thriller, the plot is everything. For the sure. moment the plot is revealed, you are, because the characters exactly. don't uh, interest you at all. You just want to know, did the nuclear bomb hit Los Angeles or
0: not? <laughs> of course. But um, uh, there, there's also this thing that uh, you're a career diplomat and you're a writer. Uh, do the responsibilities of a career diplomat... Uh, ever conflict with the responsibilities of a practitioner of of, of art, because there is, a, there is a, a point, these are not parallel lines. Yeah, which I have already said, as I said, you know, uh, a writer is uh, has to
1: call it as he sees it, whereas a diplomat has to be very, very...
0: And as a uh, diplomat, I'm sure you're privy to a lot of knowledge uh, that as a practitioner of the art, might be in conflict how uh,
1: is there a But recipe? that's why you know I have kept the two worlds quite compartmentalized uh, you know when I write fiction then I'm putting on the hat of a fiction writer sure. I'm not writing a tourist brochure on India of course I'm writing about uh, you know uh, you know some of the ugly realities also at times uh, not necessarily that I want to write about that but if they come into the novel they come into the novel because I have to be faithful then to the character that I have created right. if my character is an 18 year old waiter living in a slum then he cannot be graduating from the university of hyderabad in chapter 2 sure. you know? of so, so his life has to follow the bars, the chawls of, of Mumbai, you sure. know, and uh, his life has to have a lot of hard, hardships and setbacks. Sure. But if I'm writing about a billionaire industrialist, then, you know, maybe I'm looking at a different strata of India altogether. So uh, I would say that, you know, for me, the important thing, as I have said is,
0: is the character and the plot. And what about compromises of uh, being a diplomat who has to write? So, and you're, you're, in, uh, you're in a foreign land and suddenly the, uh, the thought strikes you, but there, there's an important meeting to go to. No, no, no.
1: So that's why, you know, I call myself a weekend writer. Okay. I only write on weekends because, you know, when I write, uh, there are writers, of course, who can write in the crevices of the day. You know, they get 10 minutes here, f- free somewhere. They yeah. get 15 minutes and what's cooking in their head, they jot it down. Sure. For me, it does not work that way. I can only write when I have a clear horizon, which means seven or eight hours, where I'm not interrupted. And also where my mind is free from deadline pressure so if for instance I have to make a presentation I have to address a business conference uh, even though it's a weekend my mind would be thinking about it you know what am I going to say what am I going to do but if I have done my official bit uh, Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday are clear, then that's the time when my imagination gets hyperactive and then I, I can start uh, creating about it. But yes, you have to be careful about uh, what you write. Uh, so obviously, you do not want to write stuff which can get you into trouble. Uh, you, should, uh, you should write Increasingly about... Increasingly
0: so now. <laughs> um,
1: well, uh, I, I, as oh, I said, yes, my last novel came out in yes, 2013, <laughs> so I have not written since uh, since then. Sure. But I think, uh, you know, as the, in Hindi, there's a very good word. It's called mariada. You have to follow the maryada, you know, And you have to follow the Lakshman Rekha Of what is
0: permissible and what is not sure. And if you do that, you are okay uh, Finally, uh, uh, the vagaries of a high-pressure job uh, with, uh, uh, with aspirations of, uh, of being a literator Which you fulfilled so cl- in such an accomplished way There are many people who want to know How that, uh, that works And there are many people with stars in their eyes Knowing about the glamour But uh, forgetting the grime uh, What's your advice to them? Yeah, look, uh, whenever I go
1: to universities or to schools and I have done a lot of these talks, you know, students ask me this question that, you know, uh, what do you think makes a writer? We also want to be a writer. What are the ingredients of being a writer? And uh, I have sort of boiled it down to a 3C approach. The first thing is curiosity. You have to be curious about your world because every work of fiction begins with what if, you know, what if there were eight, uh, 12 foot people, blue blue skinned, living on a planet called Navi. That was the starting point for Avatar.
0: Absolutely.
1: So, I think if you're not curious about the world, you will not contemplate how that world can shift and change and metamorphose uh, in For your sure. mind. Sure. Because then how will you create something? Absolutely. So I think the first thing and the very important thing is curiosity. The second thing is confidence. You have to have, you know, writing is about taking risks because you are not sure the plot you have developed in your head is a plot that's going to appeal to people outside your head as well. Sure. So unless you are confident about your writing, how can you make the rest of the world believe in your writing? Sure. So you have to have the confidence that, yes, I'm taking a risk and this is a risk worth taking. And finally, the third C I say is the computer for the research. Now that's very important, especially because as I told you, what I write in my novels is completely different from my day job. Of course. So I'm writing about murder and mayhem. I'm writing about betting on cricket matches, prostitution by Badia tribal girls, which I have no personal knowledge of. So that I can only uh, get into by research, by researching. For instance, my first novel Q&A was set in Dharavi. I had never visited Dharavi. I had been to other slums as every Indian I suppose uh, has seen, but I had never been to Dharavi. So I read up about 10 books on Dharavi. And then I tried to imagine in my head, okay, now I have read about Dharavi, how will it look in my imagination, in sure. my head? Sure. And then I wrote from that perspective. So I think if you have these three things, and of course there's no substitute for hard work. Of course. There's no shortcut, you know, you cannot, you cannot just say, okay, let me write something and I'll finish it in two nights. No, it doesn't happen that way. Because, you know, the arc of a novel is a very difficult thing. Sure. You know, you to keep all the messy strands in your head, you know, from beginning to end, <laughs> yes. um, and to persevere, I think. It, and that's why, you know, writing is something where people say, they love the product, but they hate the process. <laughs>
0: yes, absolutely. But thank God you've loved the process as well. And you've given us uh, stuff to read that uh, that's brought a smile on our faces and a shake of the head in disbelief at, uh, at the beauty of it all. So thank you very much for that. Thank and, you, and thank doctor. you for sharing uh, 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 these wonderful thoughts. Uh, uh, Mr. Vikaswaroop, of course, um, a career diplomat and practitioner of the art of writing. Uh, thank you for your time, sir. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure speaking to you. Uh, That's uh, the Teamwork Arts Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening.